All right, cool. Well, welcome to the Is For Podcast. And uh, this is uh, another one without Sarge with us, old Danger and Sarge here. And, uh, you know, it's old G and Danger. So today we are going to be talking the letter W for Willy Wonka. Now, I'm not... Willy Wonka, Willy Wonka. Yeah, really. Yeah, I don't remember that in anything except for that uh, god awful bastardization um, that Tim Burton put out. Oh, we're gonna go there already. Okay, all Uh, right. All right. Well, we'll come back around. We'll come back (laughs) around, and feel free to give me your opinion on it. But I mean, it's 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 hard for you to give me an opinion on anything on that that's anything other than uh, dog shit. We'll see. Maybe I have a hot take. We'll see. So hot take. That's what we're going to call the show. Hot takes and hot takes and hot with hot cakes. I've been called worse. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Willy Wonka is the uh, 1971 musical fantasy film. Uh, it was directed by Mel Stewart, starring Gene Wilder. He had mostly been a comedic actor at that point, which I believe there is a stern difference between a comedian and a comedic actor. But it was based on the 1964 novel, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory by Ronald or Rald Dahl, which... We'll get into uh, the book. I firmly believe that that book should have been classified as a horror novel based on some of the things that were in it and some of the things that were left out, if the full book were to actually come out. So so, so you have read the book? No, I have not read the book. I've read excerpts from the book. I've read bits and pieces of it, but I haven't, okay, read, okay. haven't read the actual book. I would like to read the book and its sequel um, at some point. I think it would be, uh, I think it'd be good. It's, you know, the sequel is less known, of course, the uh, Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. Yeah, I've I've heard of it. I, I know that it exists, but I don't know anything about it. Well, I think that, you know, Alice in Wonderland's sequel had less, you know, notoriety and people didn't know much about it before the Tim Burton uh, movie, which a lot of a lot of people didn't know about that movie. You know, it didn't true, really true. gain much uh, publicity. You know, it seems to be happening more and more with Tim Burton as he gets older, putting out mm-hmm. dog turds of movies. So, <laughs> I'm sure that really messes up. If they still use yeah. film projectors, it would really mess a projector run a dog turd through it. But anyway, you know, it's uh, what was your experience with? Uh, Willy Wonka. Everybody I know had an experience with Willy Wonka the Chocolate Factory growing up. I honestly cannot tell you the exact like first time I ever saw it, but I do remember I think by the time I saw it, I'd heard a lot about it. I kind of had an idea of what to expect. But even then, the first time you see it, the it's just so all over the place. I mean, like a lot of films have a certain like mood or atmosphere or vibe from it. But that movie changes like every few minutes, like one minute. It, it's a very upbeat, lighthearted musical. The next you're in the tunnel in the chocolate factory and you're having an, a terrible acid trip. And the next thing you know, there's three dead kids. I mean, it is just out of control like and and i'm a i am a pretty big gene wilder fan specifically his his mel brooks roles blazing saddles and young frankenstein are two of my all-time favorite uh comedies and the way he plays willy wonka is is fascinating it's one part again lighthearted and approachable and then on the other hand frightening just absolutely like loose cannon frightening Yes, and him playing that role is one that I couldn't imagine anybody else in that role. Like, Not even Johnny Depp? No, 
No, no, not Johnny Depp. And actually, all six members of Monty Python, Graham Chapman, John Cleese, Eric Idle, Terry Gilliam, Terry Jones, and Michael Palin, all expressed interest in playing Willy Wonka. But the director was so set on Gene Wilder, offered the role to him, and he went, okay, yeah, we'll do that. And of course, he wanted to put his own spin on it. And I think at the point that the movie came out, Gene and Wilder already had quite a few, you know, a few things under his belt. He didn't really tell him no to how he did Uh things. And he was so into his role, even after the movie was over, you know, years later that he actually didn't tell anyone about or anyone outside of his close, you know, close circle about his Alzheimer's diagnosis because kids would come up to him on the street and recognize who he is. Because, you know, not only kids, adults would as well. And I actually watched this movie when I was a kid and it was I think probably the first movie where I went, I like I like dark things. I, I like yeah, and, dark humor. And and everything I've seen about Gene Wilder, he seems like a, a genuinely nice guy. And it, oh, yeah. that doesn't shock me that he oh, yeah. would be you know, he, he would want to till the end there, like, right. Not, not ruin the illusion for people. Right. And everybody that I've heard worked with him said he was just a genuinely nice guy. He just was yeah. a stand up dude. And, you know, it's nice to know that these people that you have some sort of a, you know, reverence for are, you know, now, it's, it's nice. So, something you mentioned uh, a second ago about watching it and being like, you know, I kind of like dark things. You know, we talked about before, you know, my idea of of kind of delving into like scary stuff in non-scary mediums. And I think yeah. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is a great example of that. It's not a scary movie. It's very lighthearted. It's very fun. But there's a couple of moments where it kind of gets dark. And I, I think if you don't know anything about it and you go into it fairly blind, those moments kind of kind of come out of nowhere. They kind of get you. Yeah. They do. And the thing about it is even as an adult watching it, I watched it probably three years ago or so uh, for the last time, you know, I'm sure I'll watch it again, but it's like those parts still kind of creep up on you because you don't really expect to take that turn. Even though you know that turn is coming, you're kind of left with this false sense of security. But if you watch the movie, the first you know, chunk of the movie is a happy little, you know, kid candy store, which I learned that, you know, the Bill, the candy clerk that sings a song, you know, the candy man can. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. would <laughs> try to get that part, which would have been. That would have been awesome. <laughs> it would have been very interesting, which he's in a, uh, a version of um, Alice in Wonderland that is very interesting. What? Yes. Yes. He, All right. He I got to look that up. He is. I have a copy of it. Lauren has it. And, uh, wow. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll get a copy of it to you somehow, but yes, he wasn't a, a version of Alice in Wonderland, but that's fantastic. So, you know, then it goes into this like super fast paced, you know, thing about the tickets out in the world mixed with all asshole grandpa Joe, which I learned is actually Charlie's uncle. I don't know why you call him grandpa Joe and he's his uncle. You know, we'll get to, we'll get to uncle Joe here in a minute. So it's this whole fast paced, you know, newsreel kind of thing. And then everything comes to a halt when they get to the gates, everything comes to a stop and you are left with this very slow moving piece where, you know, Willy Wonka is coming out. And you don't realize it, but there is tension completely building in that. And then it's immediately broken by Gene Wilder doing his front flip and going forward. And that was actually entirely his idea to do that. 
which was fantastic that he was able to, you know, kind of take the character and push it to that point at a time that nobody really did that. I think I, I had heard before that he did that, but nobody on the crew or anything knew he was going to do that. No. So it, it, it really like took the whole cast by surprise. Yeah, actually, it, when he does that and he starts to fall forward as a somersault, all, everybody on set gasped. And that's actually the sound that you hear. And it was an honest response from everybody that was present. And it's just kind of cool to me whenever that kind of a thing happens. So anyway. Oh, absolutely. So then it dives into what is essentially one of the, in my opinion, one of the darkest children's movies ever because it's a story of a guy that owns this fantastical candy you know factory that has all these weird little things that basically blows up the worst personality traits of these children and kills them off one by one then it gets to the point where even charlie the last kid standing is berated by willy walker and, you know, and honestly i think that part is almost more unsettling than some of the stuff that happens to the kids because the kid stuff is still, I, I mean, if you actually stop and think about it, it's somewhat horrific. But I mean, oh, yeah. getting shot up the tube and turning into a big gumball and all that stuff, it still has a bit of whimsy to it. Right. But and it's it's basically children dying in a fun way. Right. But when Willy Wonka at the end you know, give that speech to Charlie about you get nothing. That's like your parents that, telling you that you're just, they're disappointed and not mad. Yes. Yes. It, it, and it really, uncomfortable. it really is uncomfortable. And he wasn't supposed to nearly get, get nearly as, you know, into it and, you know, spit at him and, and whatnot, you know, as, you yeah, know, it's, it's very it's, venomous. It's it, very it is. aggressive. You know, it's, it makes me wonder if he, if he really saw that Charlie won, you know, halfway through and was like, I've picked this fight, I'm going to commit. And then at the right. end went, okay, Charlie, you won. Or if Charlie really did win and that was one of his last, you know, I, mind That's games. how I always took it. That's how I always took it. It was sort of like that last test, that last, is Charlie deserving of this award? How will he react to this? But it's also at the same time, if it was truly a test, then it was a test on a different emotional level than every other test. And maybe it was because he was trying to get to that uh, that part of Charlie that he couldn't get out of Charlie and anywhere else because Charlie didn't fall down to any of the other things. The Chocolate River, the, you know, the blowing up like a blueberry, the, you know, he didn't really fall victim to schnozberries either. I feel like trying to get into the mind of Willy Wonka himself is trying to like get inside the mind of like Charles Manson. I'm sure That's there fair. are some there are some coherent thoughts in there, but it's a jumbled mess and it's kind of scary. I'm pretty sure Willy Wonka is quite unhinged. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he is as well. It's uh, he's he's probably one of the most underrated demented characters in pop culture. And Which, not to get ahead, because I'm sure we've, we've got some more to talk about here, yes. but but that's part of kind of why I have interesting feelings about the remake. But okay. we'll get to the remake I'm, later. I'm interested to hear that. Yeah. So, all right, we've talked about the characters and whatnot. So, the characters are, of course, Willy Wonka, Charlie Bucket, and Grandpa Joe Bucket. 
And let's take a minute and talk about Grandpa Joe. Now, this is actually something that I thought about when I was a kid the first time I saw it, when Charlie brings home the ticket and Grandpa Joe jumps up. Grandpa Joe... Yeah, Grandpa Joe is a mooch. Grandpa Joe, and not just Grandpa Joe, let's talk about the other grandparents, because there's a part of them that nobody else realizes that they can also get up and walk because they're all (laughs) in the sequel book riding around the glass elevator. But Grandpa Joe, at the sight of shiny yellow paper, jumps out of bed like an asshole, making Charlie's mom make shirt stew, you know, all those nights, you know, and she sings that sad song about Whatever, I don't even remember mm-hmm. at this point. But stupid Grandpa Joe. Grandpa Joe's a dick. Should be Grandpa Richard. Yeah, Grandpa Joe sucks. I don't like Grandpa Joe. He's actually <laughs> he's actually one of the worst characters in the movie, in my opinion. Then we got Augustus Gloop, the 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 chubby little greedy kid that gets sucked up the tube. Right, right. Veruca Salt, Blueberry, greedy, demanding, spoiled brat. Uh, Violet. No, Violet's the one that. That's right. Veruca Salt goes down the chute in the goose room. Then Violet gets blown up like a blueberry. Um, Side note, Veruca Salt, very good 90s alternative band. I wouldn't go with very good, but they were all right. I saw them with Pearl Jam years ago. So, Oh, wow. They have, that was cool. They opened for Pearl Jam. So. Yeah. And at the time, I was all like, Veruca Salt sucks. Me here to see Pearl Jam. But in hindsight, I was like, that would have been cooler if I had not been a little brat about it. <laughs> anyway, then Mike TV, the one that gets trumped down. And then mm-hmm. Arthur Slugworth, you know, the... Uh, the, the only villain in the entire movie if you don't see Willy Wonka as a villain. That's what I was getting ready to say. The Slugworth kind of side plot is very non-consequential. Like they could have, and, and again, without reading the book, I'm not sure how faithful it is to that, but it just seemed like a completely unnecessary the, piece. It, the entire yeah. Slugworth storyline seemed very much like an afterthought. You know, he is... He's not really ever given any speaking parts aside from, I think, a couple lines in the tunnel where he meets Charlie, like he jumps around a corner, Um, but then he just whispers in kids' ears, and then he's just seen standing in Wonka's office at the end. It's it's almost like the directors and the writers of the film knew that Willy Wonka himself was this weird, deep character. Like, he was good, he was bad, he was a little bit all over the place. So they almost tried to create, like, a villain to kind of pull away some of the the scary aspects of Willy Wonka himself. Right, to only find at the end of the movie the villain was working with Wonka the entire time. Right, So it makes you really wonder who's the actual villain. Was there anything really at stake besides children's lives in this movie? Which you would think that would be a big enough stake, right? I mean, child murder is usually frowned upon. You would think so. But when the child murderer owns a chocolate factory, it's okay. That place is an ocean nightmare. Oh, God, yeah. I don't remember a railing anywhere. Not not one railing. Scaffolding was not a thing. They just climbed a, a candy mountain. <laughs> Oompa Loompas. So Willy Wonka has gotten, or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory has gotten several, you know, remakes and whatnot. Like there was, you know, the Charlie and Chocolate Factory dog turd Tim Burton movie in 2005. And then there's actually an upcoming prequel called Wonka, which I'd be, I'm kind of interested to see that in itself. But then there was a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory musical that came about. 
really, it ran for a couple weeks and then it was done. It also had a premiere in Australia in, 19, in 2019. You know, so, I mean, it's it's gotten some some life and whatnot. But then there was a Tom and Jerry crossover. In 2017, a direct-to-TV animated film featuring Tom and Jerry and an adaptation of the 1971 film was released. I'd like to get my hands on it because I'm kind of curious. I guess it's the tour with Tom and Jerry, which let's take a minute and talk about how there is an actual thing that has been written and made and fleshed out in its entirety, and it's about a candy tour with a rat <laughs> and a cat on the loose. Talk about ocean nightmares. Yeah, <laughs> that's not clean at Again, all. This it just sounds like one giant fever dream. Like it's just a madhouse. It it really does. It, wow. it really does. Yeah. Um that came out in 2017. I'd like to get my hands on it just to watch it. There's Warka, also a there yeah. is a really good parody, spoof, whatever you want to call it, family guy episode where instead of the I feel like I have factory, seen it. Yeah, they go to the uh Paul Tuckett Brewery. Yes, yeah. Very good. Very good. Yeah. A lot of good jokes. It's a sure. it's a nice little interpretation without like completely right. shitting on it. And it's yeah, it's good. I mean you could tell that that they have some respect for Willy Wonka, Gene Wilder, and whatnot. It's one of the older episodes, like maybe season two, season three. It was when so the animation got a little bit better. I do know that. Well, the animation is still fairly crude but the humor takes a little longer to breathe it's not like some of the new episodes where it's just like bam 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 this actually kind of has a little more story a little more feels like a homage to willy wonka that's one of the things that drives me nuts about about the evolution of a lot of things like family guy and and whatnot it doesn't matter what sort of thing you're doing what genre of thing that you're doing you got to give it a beat to breathe and give a right. beat to to react and to allow it to have an emotional connection of some way. And to bring that back to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, there are a lot of scenes that by today's, you know, shorter attention spans, I think might be viewed as quote unquote boring. But at the time that pacing was there to kind of give you a moment to breathe and think like, I, I think that the 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 slow pacing in some points is actually really beneficial because <laughs> It makes you really wonder what what mood am I supposed to feel right now? Like I just saw this kid get drowned in chocolate, and here's these Oompa Loompas singing a silly song and this happy music and whatever. It's like, am I supposed to laugh or am I supposed to care that this child just disappeared? Right. Like, right. I, I I think those slow moments in a film like Willy Wonka make the audience stop and go what am I, what am I doing? Like, what am I looking at right now? So I think part of, you know, Gene Wilder being a comedic actor is his knowledge of timing of things because mm. it was like, and part of it's editing, of course, you know, cause you got to edit a movie and whatnot, but it's like right after something happens, he just goes, okay. And then says something kind of off color and just moves along, which right. actually leads me to where I want to talk about, Unused chapters and parts of the original book, because the okay. the original book, I am convinced after some of these things that it should have been a uh, a horror novel. And let me tell you what. Okay, so the unused oh chap the unused chapters: Clarence Crump, Bertie Upside, and Tempest Roper. There's a lot of characters in the book that aren't in the movie. So okay. I'm going to name some some names that are just kids that were in the book that didn't make it to the movie. Let's see. Elvira Entwizzle, uh, Violet oh. Glockenberry, 
Miranda Grope and Augustus Pottle, Miranda Mary Piker, uh, Marvin Prune, Wilbur Rice, and Tommy Troutbeck, the subjects of the Vanilla Fudge Room. Well, I'll talk to you about that. <laughs> and the uh, the character that was that was renamed to Mike TV, which his name is spelled T E A V E E TV. Get it? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. awesome. Um, and I understand why they renamed it because his name was Herpes Trout. <laughs> no, no, it was not Herpes Trout. <laughs> no, that's that's the character's name in the book, Herpes Trout. I, this has been fun. <laughs> I will see you next time. I'm out. I'm out. No, I'm out. not kidding. All right. So the first unused part. Or the What's part, his name? No, okay. Spotty Powder is the name of it. It was the name of the candy. Spotty Powder was first published as a short story in 1973. In 1998, it was included in the children's horror anthology, Scary Stories That Will Make You Scream. The brief mm. note before the story described the story as having been left out of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory due to an already brimming number of misbehaving children characters in the tale. In 2005, mm. the Times reprinted Spotty Powder as a quote-unquote lost chapter saying they've been found in Doll's desk, written backwards in mirror writing, the same way Leonardo da Vinci wrote in his journals, Spotty Powder looks and tastes like sugar, but causes bright red pox-like spots to appear on the face and necks five seconds after ingestion, so the children who eat Spotty Powder do not have to go to school. The spots fade on their own uh, after a few hours. After learning the purpose of Spotty Powder, the humorless, smug Miranda Piker and her equally humorless father, a schoolmaster are enraged and disappear into the spotty powder room to sabotage the machine. Soon after entering, they are heard making what was Miss Piker interprets as screams. Mr. Waka assures her, after making a brief joke where he claims the headmasters are the one occasional ingredients, that it is only laughter. Exactly what happens to them is not revealed in the extract. Okay, see, see, that is something that I, I noticed in the film, and it sounds like this was something that Dahl got a kick out of, is never... Okay, we kept making comments about how the kids die. Necessarily die, they just kind of disappear, and we never hear from them again. It sounds like Dahl kind of had that, like, kind of like R.L. Stein's whole thing about, you can do whatever you want, you just don't kill the kid. And Dahl was like, I want to kill these kids, but I can't, so I'm just going to make them disappear. Hold on, we're not done. In, <laughs> in an early draft, sometime after being renamed from Miranda Grope to Miranda Piker, but before Spotty Powder was written, she falls down the chocolate waterfall and ends up in the peanut brittle mixer. The results in this, quote-unquote, rude and disobedient little kid <laughs> becoming quite delicious... This Ooh. early draft poem was slightly rewritten as an Oompa Loompa song in the lost chapter, which now puts her in the spotty powder mixer. Instead of being crunchy and good, she is now useful and good. So not to get too far off topic here, just to oh, no, we're of, going. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> well, I just wanted to throw this out there. Jeffrey Dahmer <laughs> worked in a candy factory for a while. And I just want that. Think about that while we're thinking about the, the rest of this. The Vanilla Fudge Room. In 2014, <laughs> The Guardian revealed that Dahl had removed another chapter, 
called the Vanilla Fudge Room from an early draft of the book. The Guardian reported now eliminated passage was deemed too wild, subversive, and insufficiently moral for the tender minds of British children <laughs> almost 50 years ago. Those British people. In what was originally chapter 5 in that version of the book, Charlie goes to the factory with his mother instead of his grandfather as originally published. At this point, the chocolate factory tour is down to 8 kids. It originally started with 10 in the book, um, including Tommy Toutback and Wilbur Rice. After the entire group climbs to the top of the titular Fudge Mountain eating vanilla fudge along the way, Troutback and Rice decide to take a ride on the wagons carrying away chunks of fudge. The wagons take them directly into the pounding and cutting room where the fudge is reformed and sliced into small squares for retail use. Wonka states the machine is equipped with a quote-unquote large wire strainer which is used specially for catching children before they fall into the machine. Adding that it always catches them. At least it has up to now. Oh, chapter dates God. the chapter dates back to an early draft with ten golden tickets, including one each for Miranda Grope and Augustus Pottle, who fall into the Chocolate River prior to the events of Fudge Mountain. Augustus Pottle was routed to the Chocolate Fudge Room, not the Vanilla Fudge Room, exploited in this chapter. Vanilla Fudge, a uh, a pretty solid band from the seventies, correct? Uh yeah, I believe so. <laughs> The Warming Candy Room. Also in 2014, Vanity Fair published a plot summary of The Warming Candy Room, wherein three boys eat too many quote-unquote warming candies and end up quote-unquote bursting with heat. The Warming Candy Room is dominated by a boiler, which heats the scarlet liquid. The liquid is dispensed one drop at a time where it cools and forms a hard shell, storing the heat by quote-unquote magic process. The heat changes into an amazing thing we call cold heat, where after eating a single warming candy, one could stand naked in the snow comfortably. This is met with predictable disbelief from Clarence Crump, Bertie Upside, and Terrence Roper. We haven't heard anything out of El Herpy. That is the worst name I have ever heard. Out of all the horrific things that you're telling me were left out of this book, the fact that he named someone basically STD fish is just mind-boggling. Yes, yes. Red red penis bump fish. Ugh. So, all right. Terrence Roper, who proceeds to eat at least 100 warming candies, each resulting in profuse perspiration. The three boys and their families discontinue the tour after many are taken to cool off in the large refrigerator for a few hours. So they basically go put all the kids in a fridge. <laughs> right. And then with, with the film logic, we'll never see or hear from them again. And we have no, no idea what happened. No, we, we don't. And okay, so the last the last one, which I found this one especially entertaining, the children's delight room. Oh, I don't even like the sound of this one. Ronald Dahl originally planned for a child called Marvin Prune to be included in Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Dahl submitted the excised chapter regarding Marvin Prune to the Hornbook Review in the early 1970s. Rather than publish the chapter, Hornbook responded with a critical essay by novelist Eleanor Cameron, who criticized Dahl's worth as a human being. Okay. <laughs> I, that seems entirely like within the realm of reason. I, I'm really interested now to go back and read the book. Even though I know these things are not included in the book, it makes me wonder how much darker and twisted the book is than the movie well, under the surface be. level. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be. Absolutely. Yeah. So now we have talked about the really effed up parts of 
Willy Wonka. Not all of them, because there are more. So let's get to this Tim Burton dog turd. I want to hear your okay. defense of this movie. Now, now, hold on. I never said that I was going to defend it. But, okay, all right, here's here's the, sh- the, the long and short of it. I'm a I am a pretty solid Tim Burton fan. I'm he's made solid. Some, he's made some really really good movies. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a pretty big fan of Johnny Depp. I like Johnny Depp when he's playing a character that's a little absurd, and that is usually John, combined Johnny, with Tim Burton. Johnny Depp is actually something that we actually don't have a lot of anymore, and that's a true character actor. Right. And, and actually, the it, other character actor who I think is actually underrated is actually Rob Schneider. He's actually a phenomenal character actor. Do I like Rob okay. Schneider? No, but he is a he's a good character actor. So the Johnny Depp Tim Burton combination is usually something you can bank on. Edward yeah, have you, have you heard about the new Tim Burton movie? It's Helena Bonham Carter playing Johnny Depp. Yeah, right, right. Edward Scissorhands, Ed Wood. You know, there's a few more, and and I'm always usually I'm pretty pretty good with that combination. So I had pretty high expectations because I like those two. I think they work well together. Now here's my issue. I feel like what we have just talked about with Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, we have described it as a pretty dark children's film. Yes. It is absolutely made for kids, but there is this weird vibe about it that gives it this kind of creepy undertone. And when I heard Tim Burton and Johnny Depp were going to reimagine it, my first thought was perfect. Tim Burton is brilliant at blending children's stuff with creepy stuff. Another great example, Corpse Bride. That's another great Tim Burton, Johnny Depp film. Which I believe Um, he was only a producer on that. Uh, he like, was a producer on Nightmare Before Christmas. He was. But but I think he directed Corpse Bride. I will find out. Go ahead. Okay, okay. But, so I had pretty high expectations, and obviously it did not live up to that. I think that, I read in some interviews that Johnny Depp was channeling a little bit of Michael Jackson in his performance. I can see that. Which, which I don't think was the right direction to go in. No. Um, I think... Uh, again, Danny Elfman. He is did direct Corpse Bride. Composer. You're right. Okay. Danny Elfman is an incredible composer. I thought the Oompa Loompa songs were, I know what they were trying to do, but they were not well executed. My, my biggest complaint is they did not go far enough. I felt like Tim Burton, Johnny Depp, Danny Elfman, this is an all star team with an incredible piece of art that they're working with, and they held back. Mm -hmm. If they would have actually... And I'm not saying go, like, rated R. I'm not saying turn it into a horror movie. But what I am saying is we've seen them do creepy, but also kind of family-friendly, and just nail it. So I don't quite understand why... It sucks. So here's, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it, but I, I, it definitely was not as good as I wanted it. Here's, here's my thoughts on why I didn't like it at all. Actually, I, I, I'm going to say that I hated it. Okay, so I think part of it was rooted in my fondness of the original movie. You know. Okay, so that but, was something else I was going to say. I like the original, but I didn't. You know, I've seen it a handful of times. I didn't grow up watching it. I don't have a strong connection to it, which made me think I would enjoy the remake more. So I did have a strong connection to the original. Sure, um, I, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. But I too, like you, thought Johnny Depp and Tim Burton get their hands on this 
amazing, creepy, family-friendly thing, and it's going to be awesome. If they give me anything close to the tunnel scene, the, the boat scene, I'll right. be happy. And it just didn't happen. It didn't come through. And like you said, poor execution. And I think what it was is that Tim Burton and Johnny Depp both have gotten a little big for their britches. And I think it's Tim Burton wanted to do something a little bit more over the top than what he had done before. And Johnny Depp kind of wanted to do the same thing and working together so much for so long, Tim Burton went, I trust you, do what you want. And then what he did didn't really come together. Think about the scene where you are first introduced to Willy Wonka. And not, I'm not talking about the clips of him in the jungle with the Beatles and stuff, which right, was right, just right. weird. It didn't really work for me. You're first introduced to him at this this weird thing where the, you know, it's a small world puppets come out and they're singing right. and dancing and they catch fire. And you're just kind of watching this thing kind of confused. And then Johnny Depp pops in and says a thing. There's nothing memorable about his performance at all. There's no, nothing. And, and, and to and to both our points, Tim Burton has a way of creating this atmosphere. And I felt like it was building to a little bit of a reveal because you have the like skyline and the, and the gray skies and the black smoke of the, of the village. And then you have this weird animatronic thing. And then Johnny Depp shows up and it's so underwhelming. Like there's nothing gravitas about it. And not that Gene Wilder, his role was anything like phenomenal, but the cast didn't know he was going to do it. The director didn't know he was going to do it. So there's a genuine surprise to the audience. Right. Johnny Depp quotes some weird, obscure 70s rock lyric, and it's like, Hello, Star a cue card. I've... The earth says hello. Yeah. It's like, who gives a shit? Like, I mean, do something to, I don't know. Johnny Depp is an incredible actor. Tim Burton's an incredible director. And I can't quite put my finger on why this was such a disaster. I honestly think it was just Tim Burton was getting big for his britches. And well, one more thing about that too. I don't know that it's so much that, but I do think that studio meddling, especially in, in yes. you know, early 2000s to, to today even. Yes. Um, the uh, reliance on CG, the reliance on computer after effects and stuff, you see it all over a lot of Tim Burton's more recent movies like the Alice in Wonderland films and stuff. Part of his charm, let's take Beetlejuice, for example. There are no computer animated effects. There is stop motion. There is these weird miniatures. There are all these cool practical effects. All that shit goes right out the window with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of older movies kind of have a different feel than new ones do, or one of the many reasons, because there's actual things there for actors to act with. And exactly. while, while, yes, it's cool to see some of the things that we've gotten with CGI, there's actual things. And everything in Willy Wonka the Chocolate Factory was built by hand. It was made by hand. You know, it Whether was all it, really there. Right. Whether it looks perfect or not, it doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is you can touch it. It right. physically exists in the same realm of space as you and I do. The boat scene in Willy Wonka, all those actors were actually there seeing and hearing everything that we're seeing and hearing. But in the Johnny right. Depp movie, they just kind of look scared. You know, they and, look creeped out. And I've seen some of the behind the scenes and the making of Charlie and Chocolate Factory. And it's so much like weird green grass, green screen. Oh, yeah. Here's oh, yeah. a group of people 
Green screen. And it's like, I have no problem with using that when it's appropriate. But again, Tim Burton has shown us time and time again, Batman, Edward Scissorhands, Beetlejuice, all these films, matte paintings, miniatures, claymation. There's all kinds of cool practical effects. And I get it. They're time consuming. They're financially consuming. And I know why studios don't want to use them. Okay, let's talk about your financially consuming. Do you want to guess the budget? Of the original oh. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. The original? Or the um, original Willy Walker. Just guess the budget. Now, I, remember, it came out in 1971, so we're looking at 1968, that, let's say, that it started. If it's a million dollars, I'd be shocked. Three million. Three million. That's, Three million. That's still very low. Right. Do you know what the budget of Tim Burton's was? I would guess at least thirty million. A hundred fifty million. Jesus Christ! Right, that's, and that's offensive. <laughs> right, <laughs> absolutely. But it just goes to show that it doesn't take a giant budget to make a good movie. It takes people who really care about it and heart and good actors, great actors, you know, great directors, and it just all these pieces come together. And I think that's something well, that was missing with Tim Burton's is that no, it was a perfect you- storm for Willy Wonka, but not with Tim Burton's. It just wasn't the right storm. It was a Sharknado. Right. Uh, Okay. Because that's the thing is like all the pieces were there. You had the whimsy mixed with the dark, which is Tim Burton's sweet spot. You have a great director. You have a great actor. You have a budget. I mean, you have Danny Elfman, one of the greatest composers of all time. And look, I'm not going to disagree with you. They literally shat out a movie. Like, it's it's not... And they even got Christopher Lee to cameo as Wonka's dad. One right. of the horror icons. I, I just... But here's, it, it hurts here's, another, it. here's another difference. Mel Stewart was the original director. He only had, like, five movies to his name, so he still had something to prove. Tim Burton's got nothing left to prove. Tim Burton no. doesn't have to really care. He can shit out a turd and still make $475 million. Yeah, but I don't know that Tim Burton is that kind of a director. Like, I feel like he's the kind of guy that would want to... I, I don't know. Like uh, like I said, my biggest problem with this whole thing is expectation versus what we actually received. I, it just felt like it was a match made in heaven, and I just don't understand. It was, just, it. It was just a bad execution. So... After, you know, the movie came out, the original Willy Wonka, Walker served as a mascot for the Willy Wonka Candy Company, a real-life brand of confectionaries uh, marketed by Nestle's Candy Shop. Real-life versions of Everlasting Gobstopper and the Wonka Bar were produced, along with a line of other candies not directly related to the book nor the film. The candy originally tied in with the 1971 film, originally by Quaker Oats before series of sales led to the company being acquired by Nestle in 1988. The Walker brand has discontinued in 2015. Its products continue to be produced under the Nestle brand, which kind of makes me sad that there was this thing that was made to to work with the movie, and it actually made it so long that it actually made it through where the remake was made. And then they just dissolved the Willy Wonka part of things and just kept the names of these candies. There, it just It makes me sad just to see things fall apart like that. You would think they would keep the Wonka name. I yeah. mean, because even with the remake, I mean, I would imagine that if you ask, you know, 10 people on the street, you know, when you hear Willy Wonka, who do you picture? Gene Wilder. You're going to say Gene Wilder. Right. I mean, I feel like the Johnny Depp thing was an experiment that failed and has kind of lost the time. I mean, I own the DVD. I have revisited 
uh, a handful of times thinking, okay, maybe it's not as bad as I remember. It's always as bad as I remember. And, right. I honestly don't remember a good chunk of the movie. I I think I maybe have fallen asleep. I, I know I watched it in the theaters and no, I had no desire to, to watch it again. I just... Okay. I just have this. This this is how I will I will describe it with the original Willy Wonka. Gene Wilder was a was kind of an odd character, but he felt human. He felt like he had a heart. Right. He felt like he was a real person. Johnny Depp is playing a cartoon character. He is. And and anytime they ever try to make you relate to him, to make you care about him you don't it, it falls flat and that's that i think is ultimately where the movie fails okay so what i have gotten out of this conversation is gene wilder rocks mm-hmm. johnny depp is good in certain scenarios i love a johnny depp mm-hmm. you know i think he's been phenomenal too. in a lot of places tim I burton has put out some great movies i also kind of think tim burton's like kevin smith he started out really good and has put out a lot of stuff and people are kind of holding on to it going, I like Tim Burton. So I'll still like this movie. I Yeah. And it sucks. It's like a, a blessing and a curse when you come out with your first couple of films, just banger right. after banger after banger. Cause then you ultimately, you're never going to be able to live up to that forever. Well, maybe we'll do V is for Burton. So Ooh, I, I like it. Yeah. I might do that. Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> All right, so Willy Wonka, uh, it does have the uh, the prequel coming out, which I will watch out of more curiosity. Anything else? Yeah. There's no set date. You know, it says... I think it's the, 2023. It, it says right? the 17th of March, 2023, but if there's anything that I've learned in the last five years is that dates mean nothing when it comes to movies. Not so, even a little bit. You know, I'm going to say there's no actual date set. So anyway, I'll watch out of curiosity, but for W, this has been Willy Wonka. Say bye, G. Bye, G. Good night, everybody.